Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hey there, Flyers fans. Welcome to the uh, first episode that I'm doing uh, on the Flyers Alumni Talk Show channel. I'm joined today by Chris Terrian. Um, we're going to be doing these on a pretty regular basis, uh, ongoing from today. Um, with this week being the uh, NHL draft, I figured it would be a, you know, a, a fun thing to talk about looking back at Chris's draft year in, in uh, 1990, which was uh, actually, historically, one of the NHL's best drafts of all time, and, and Chris had a uh, pretty interesting story around his own draft that year. Um, you know, Chris, when you look back to the uh, 1990 draft and the year you had, you know, at, at Northwood Prep and being a highly recruited, you know, collegiate uh, candidate, you know, what do you remember in the months leading up to the draft? Who scouted you? You know, where did where did you hear you might be going? Those kind of things. Yeah, well, first off, Bill, I'm really looking forward to doing these, and uh, I think it's going to be great. Uh, the draft, that was a, a really memorable draft. I know we'll talk a little bit about it and some of the players, but for me that year, I was kind of a whirlwind year. I mean, I was getting recruited by plenty of schools. We had a couple really good players, too, at Northwood with me. Uh, you know, Craig Conroy went on to play a ton of games yeah. in the league, and uh, Jerry Buckley, who went to Boston College, they were they were teammates of mine. We had other guys get looked at too, this undrafted, but went on to play Division One hockey from that Northwood team. But you know, we we're we we're getting pretty much followed around in all the big tournaments by all the scouts who were there looking at prep school hockey at the time, which was just it was as big as anywhere because you can really get a diamond in the rough out out of the prep school circuit. And a lot of kids were turning uh, the college route was was I think big then, but it, it's gotten bigger since and. Um, it was a pretty pretty neat experience that year for me, really getting a first-hand look at the recruiting process and then having NHL scouts there uh, through the course of the year to, to, to see how it all would shake out. So it was an ex- a really exciting time for me, um, and I knew you know, I knew we had a lot of good players involved in, in the 1990 draft up at the top, in the first round, second round. Um, you know, but for me, I was just I was really excited to be a part of the 1990 draft. Third uh, in the third round, forty seventh overall, and I know we're going to get uh, to how that happened, but uh, it was it was a great experience. And I look back now at the players from that draft, and I say like, wow, like that's just unbelievable to have had that many guys uh, in the Hall of Fame from that draft, uh, and, and just to have been able to have been uh, certainly a part of one of the one of the deepest and best drafts in NHL history. Do you, Do you think you benefited from you know there was the the prep school scene became real. I mean, first time I was really aware of it being a scouting hotbed was, you know, a couple of years before when, when Jeremy Roenick and, and uh, Tony Monster were coming out of Thayer Academy. Right. And, yeah. then, and then, and then a lot of, a lot of prep school kids started getting, getting looked at as being, being kind of higher end prospects because before that, uh, you know, I mean, cause you're, you're from, you're from Ottawa, but uh, you know, a lot of times the, the American kids, it was really, you know, it was really kind of when you started seeing more and more Americans on the, the, the higher end. I mean, it was a, that was the beginning of a cycle that's kind of continued and grown to this day. Uh, I'm curious as to, uh, you know, what was the thought process, process with you going to uh, 
Northwood Prep as opposed to maybe the major junior route? And then, you know, with you looking at, at the collegiate route as a, a viable, you know, path at that point. You know, you know, I'll, I'll tell you the greatest story. I was I was playing it, and I think it was um, maybe my last year of Bantam. I was about 13 or 14. And of course, now everybody thinks that's like just, you know, if you're not skating all summer, all year round at 13, 14, well, you have no future in hockey. Well, I got cut from two teams that same year, both double A teams. So I, I was on the minor, I think it was minor Bantam. I got cut. They said, you know what, the major Bantam team isn't as good as the minor Bantam team. I went up and tried out for them. Like two days later, I got cut again. I said, you know what, I quit. I quit hockey for an entire year. That was at 14 wow. years old. And uh, I skied. I skied four times a week with the ski, the ski, uh, social ski group. Did not put a pair of skates on for for months. I think I ended up playing about ten games on the high school team. And high school hockey in Canada is the bottom of the barrel. I mean, you cannot go any lower uh, level of hockey. My dad, had, I guess he, you know, he'd seen something in me earlier. He believed in me, and, he, and uh, I wanted to get a fresh start both academically and athletically. Um, I went to Northwood as a sophomore. I repeated. Uh, my 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 uh, sophomore year, even though I did two years at home because we have the grade 13 in Canada, so to them it was no difference. Uh, but I had to get some American history under my belt, and uh, I went down there. I, I actually played Northwood JV, so things really hadn't gotten much better. But I was skating every day. It was 90 minutes, two hours on the ice every day. And by my junior year, when I turned 16, my frame was different. My body was different. Um, and all of a sudden, I, you know, I was ended up becoming a great skater. And I'm not sure where that, uh, you know, if anyone saw that coming from the year before, people at North would tell you, boy, it's like, you know, we saw two different people. Um, but it was my dad's belief in me. He believed in in my in uh, in uh, that route. He played at St. Lawrence University. He went to St. Mike's in the '60s, so he had a, a real rich hockey background himself. Played at one of the most famous places in Canada. Uh, he loved the school route. Um, and, and, uh, that was certainly something that, you know, I was reminded of and, and talked to about growing up about how important it is to get an education, to go the American, American college route if you're a hockey player. And, and that's really how it, how it came about. Ended up going to Northwood. And, and when I look back at my hockey, entire hockey career, uh, the Northwood experience was the best single best thing that ever happened to me in my hockey career, uh, in terms of development and, and, um, it was invaluable to me. Uh, it allowed me to uh, just be able to spread my wings and flourish, um, develop at my pace. And, and when the time was right, uh, you know, you cannot substitute being able to practice against really, really good players for two hours a day uh, at 15, 16, 17 years old. Um, obviously, you decided on, on Providence College. What other schools were you were you looking at? Were recruiting you? I had offers from I mean, my top five at the end of the day in order ended up being Providence, Wisconsin, Maine, Michigan State, and New Hampshire. Um, <laughs> I didn't pick really well. I love Providence. Don't get me wrong. I ended up winning the, the national championship four years ago. But Maine and Wisconsin ended up winning my – would have been my freshman and sophomore year. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I kind of gave myself a hoof for that one. Uh, we Again, Providence in a lot of ways like Northwood – had some really, really high-end talent, guys that were very, very good players uh, that had, uh, had had careers in the NHL, just couldn't put it all together like you had those uh, high-power horses like Boston University and Boston College and stuff. But, 
Providence validated themselves a few years ago, and uh, it was another really, really great experience. I played three years there before joining the Olympic team, um, but I, but I have just two really, really great experiences for me were, were Northwood and Providence. When you, I mean, when you think of Providence, obviously, when you think of Lou Lamarello, he, uh, you know, he was yeah. with the Devils by that point, but uh, they had they had kind of a leg up still with, uh, you know, with the scouting there. Um, did you ever think at some point you might end up going to Jersey? Did, did you talk with them? And what other NHL teams did. did you remember, you know, scouting you? I think I ended up meeting with three teams before the draft that year. I'm not sure they were as prevalent. They were more, look, I think, probably discussing more with the guys that were, you know, surefire top tens, at least what they thought at the time. Um, I talked to Lou Lamarillo. It's actually funny. I remember the story because I, I go without even looking right now. Um, I ended up rooming with his son, Chris. That was He did not realize that when I met with him at the draft, you know, I was going to Providence. I didn't know his son was also going there as a, as right. a hockey player. Uh, I met him and it's funny when I saw him the following fall, we went down to a devil's game, me and Chris, uh, during preseason, probably a violation. I'm not sure if I can get Mr. Lamarillo in any trouble anymore, but, uh, <laughs> we went down, drove down, he got us a pair of tickets to the devil's preseason game. And, and we had a, we had a good time, but he actually told me, he said, you know, it's funny. Um, we were going to take you, with the with our next pick after the Flyers in the third round, which would have been 55th, that pick ended up being Mike Dunham, the goalie who went on the main. Yeah. So uh, it just it, you know it's kind of interesting when you hear one GM say, "Hey, we were going to take you, uh, but you were gone. You were off the board." So we picked Dunham, and it's just kind of funny how how things shuffle themselves around like that a little bit. But that that was kind of an you know an idea. I think I got a little bit of a glimpse. Uh, I don't do a lot with the draft now. Not actually nothing really. I just see the names of who gets called and and from uh, reading great articles that you yourself puts out during the year and other guys, you know, you become familiar with some of the young talent. But I thought that was pretty interesting that the, you know someone like Lou, back in 1990, you know, he had a plan. You know, so he was saying, well, if we can't get this guy, we'll have this guy on the board. So that stuff is going on. Uh, and it was uh, when I look back at it, I didn't realize at the time like that's kind of how things get done. Uh, on draft day in, in the NHL. And and looking, you know, in, in this year's draft, there's a, there's a really good prep school kid, Joe, Jay O'Brien. He's actually coached by Tony Monte at Sayer. But, uh, you know, the, the the eligibility rules are a little bit different now than, than it were then, you know, back then for the kids coming out of prep schools. Uh, you told me an interesting story about um, how, you know, if you weren't taking the first three rounds, you weren't even going to be eligible to be taken afterwards. How did How did all that come about where, you know, you might have actually have been a, uh, a higher pick than you were taken. Now, today, 47th overall would be the middle of the second round. Then it was the right. third round pick because of fewer teams in the league. But, uh, right. you know, did, were you, you know, kind of, well, maybe, you know, maybe, uh, maybe I'll go this year, maybe I won't. Or were you thinking, okay, well, maybe I was going to go a little bit earlier than you went? Well, you know what happened was I, I, I got to find out the rule, Bill, because I, I think it had something to do with the prep school rule. There was a prep school clause in there where it said to me, by my age standard and the prep school where I was coming from, not where I was coming from, but just that, lo- that uh, uh, there was a restriction somehow. I'm not sure what it was, but I'm going to try to dig it up one of these days here. I had to go in the first three rounds in 1990. So what happened was after the first round passed that year, some people said, you know what, you may go late first round or early second. That was in 1990. That didn't happen. So as the third round approached, I actually had people I knew at the draft come say, you know what, at this point you're better off not getting drafted. And uh, because the next year I went on to Providence, I had a great freshman year. Uh, Scott Lachance at Boston University would have been a comparable to me that year. 
Uh, he ended up going fifth overall. So I may, it may have gone higher the next year. Uh, it's not something I ever thought about after the draft because it really didn't matter. Um, you know, the draft is a beginning point, whether you get drafted first overall, uh, 47th overall, or, uh, you know, guys like the Detroit Red Wings have plucked up players in the sixth round uh, that have ended up having, you know, 15-year careers. So it doesn't matter. It's what you do after the draft. Uh, but, but certainly it was an odd day from a standpoint that, geez, I don't want to be disappointed not getting drafted because I couldn't go after that. Uh, but I guess there was a little bit of excitement that if I didn't, there, things could be a little bit better the following year. Sure. Well, you know, of course, for many, 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 many years, uh, players didn't even attend the draft. It was always held at, uh, you know, I think the Queen Elizabeth Hotel in, in uh, Montreal. And by, but by 90, you know, it had, it was, I believe it was in Vancouver that year. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, so at least, yeah, at least you got a good city. I think, I think the year after that I was in Buffalo, at least Vancouver's a little bit, a little bit more of a fun city. No offense to anyone in Buffalo. But, great. Uh, great. No, I mean, listen, no one's ever going to tell you that, uh, you know, Buffalo's going to be ranked up with the beauty of Vancouver, but you know what? Buffalo has its great parts of it too. Yeah. Um, you know what's yeah. funny? I do, I, I do remember one thing at the, at the 1990 draft, um, which was really funny. Uh, Keith Primo got picked third overall. And I was still waiting there. And that guy sat with his buddy from Niagara Falls, who ended up getting drafted in like the seventh round that year. Yeah. Primo hung out all day with this kid, just waiting for him to get drafted. So it's pretty, pretty neat. You know, there's a guy who got drafted this high and he wanted to be there for his buddy the same day. It's yeah. Pretty, pretty neat. Yeah. I mean, Primo, yeah. I said Primo went third to Detroit. So, you know, he, he a, lot, a lot of sitting around. <laughs> a lot of sitting around. Sure. You know, and, and if you look at that 1990 draft, um, you know, I when during the Russ Farwell year as GM, you know, there were, were a lot of things that were not going right with the organization. And that was during that five-year period when the Flyers missed the playoffs every year. But one thing Farwell right. did do well was he drafted well. You know, you can look at you can look at the '90 right. draft and yeah, not '91 draft. '92 was a little bit of an odd draft because it was kind of a weak draft in general. But uh, that's also the year all that Lindros stuff was going down with the double trade and all that. But you know, that's but the it, Ryan even you know, yeah, '92, yeah, yeah, not, yeah. Sittler was '92, and and also Jason Bowen. They had two first round picks that year. Uh, but other than the 92 draft, you know, the, the 93 draft, they got uh, Proswell, they got Ninema, they, you know, they didn't even have a first-round pick that year because of the Lindros trade. So you, you can look at that block of draft of Farwell, and they were, they were good drafts. I mean, in, in 91, um, if you look at it's kind of funny. I, I love going back and looking at the old, you know, draft reviews and, and just reading, you know, how much, was, how, much, how much worked out, how much turned out being completely wrong, you know, but in 91 – um, in 91, they called Peter Forsberg a, a poor man, Thomas Steen, and said that uh, he's, a, he's a solid bet for a second round he could sneak into the first. Well, you know, <laughs> he, he, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and yeah. It's, also, it's also hilarious, Bundy. If you ever – you could go on YouTube and you could watch Forsberg's first ever interview. Uh, I, think it was, I think it was Bob McKenzie, and, and Peter could barely speak English at that point. You know, yeah. it was actually, yeah, it's pretty funny. It said, you, 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 you could, yeah, you can still find that online. But anyway, the, the 90 draft, just in terms of number of players who, you, first of all, in, in general, the number of players in that 90 draft who played for the Flyers, but also the number of picks the Flyers took that year who, who played in the NHL and played for the Flyers. And, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm working on the top of my head here, but it was uh, Mike Ricci, fourth overall, 
then Chris Simon, then Michael Renberg, then Terrence Sandwith. Um, let's see. I think Al, Kin- Al Kaniski. Al Kaniski was was there. Yeah, when right when shortly after you did. Uh, Billy Billy Armstrong was there. Kimby Daniels was there. Kimby uh, Daniels Kordick. was there. Yeah. 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 Dan Dan Kordick was there. Tommy Soderstrom. I mean, just a, a bunch. I mean, and Soderstrom was deep in the draft. He was like two, like the two hundredth picks thereabouts. Yeah. You know, so you know they. I mean, they they did a really good job of finding guys who played in the NHL and that draft. And you know, and Renberg was was a great pick at fortieth. So, yeah. you know, I, yeah. I, yeah. So I mean, when you when you were there, I mean, obviously you did. Did you, you know, Ricci? I'm sure you you'd heard some about, but did did you know a lot of these other guys? Now Chris Simon, I think he was playing junior hockey in Ottawa, if I recall. So maybe you, yeah, he, you knew about was, Chris too. But I I knew about Chris Simon. There was a. The guy who was really there was, a, there was one guy I don't know if you remember his name, Bill. It's funny it's coming back to me now. It was a guy that played for the '67 that year, and he was supposed to go like fifth overall. His name was Ryan Kuabara. Do you remember yeah. the name? Yeah. Does, yeah. Yeah. Played for the '67s, and he was he was a uh, uh, I believe a Japanese Canadian descent, and they had this kid all year like number three, number four, number five. I'm not <laughs> sure when he got drafted, but it was never. I mean that that was the year that was the player that year. Where everyone said. Oh, you know what? When is he going to go? You know, where someone drops so much that everybody's finally, you know, thinking, when is this poor kid going to get drafted? And I, he was the yeah, kid that year. He 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 went deep in the draft. He went around 40th, I think. And yeah. He, 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 I, know, I know he wasn't taking the first round. I know he slipped pretty far. He did. But, you know, uh, I, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Then, and you but, say about the other players that played for the Flyers. I mean, Bill, there's a whole pile of them. We were discussing that, uh, you know, a little while ago. I mean, Peter Nedved went second overall. He ended up playing for the Flyers. Primo, third overall. Um, and out of the top five, the only guy who didn't was uh, was Owen Nolan. No, we went first. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Owen first overall. But yeah, it, it was, it was, I mean, it, it was crazy, you know. And what were your. What were your memories of that, that whole day, the night before, where, you know, I'm sure your dad was there with you? And then what. You know, know. Uh, it was different. That know. it wasn't. It wasn't like today. We have a whole entourage, right? It was. It was usually, you know, maybe maybe your folks are there, maybe uh, maybe a sibling or two. But it's not nowadays. It seems like a whole, the player's entourage takes up a whole damn row. You know, it does. I went with my dad, and when I got drafted, my dad wasn't even in the seat next to me. It's real. It's it's funny. I was sitting next to Jason York, and he had a really pretty girlfriend, and I had. Uh, I was sitting there, and I remember I forgot to put the odor in on. <laughs> and I absolutely, I absolutely freaked. And I'm thinking to myself, I better get picked or get out of here really quick because there's nobody going to be spending any second with me. But that was that was my draft day. Uh, that was my draft day humor. Uh, it was real, and uh, yeah, that that made me rem- remind me I was still a teenager at the time. But uh, that night, yeah, I went out with my dad. We stayed. Uh, Stayed downtown Vancouver. Night, the night of the draft was really cool because you know everyone wants to go out and stuff. And we, anybody that knows Vancouver, certainly know that it's uh, it, they're not it's not a spot shy for their great nightlife and, uh, yeah. and atmosphere. <laughs> yeah, I ended up hanging out with a guy that went to Providence with me next year named Brian McCarthy and Peter Nedved, who I didn't realize at the time. You know, he's a, he was a Czech, played for Seattle for Russ Farwell. And yeah. um, ended up spending the time hanging out with Peter Nedved that uh, draft night. He was by himself. He was, uh, uh, you know, there was uh, he made that defection, which was a big story, of course. Um, and uh, I didn't realize that three years later I'd play with him on the Olympic team for Canada in '94. That's right. That's right. '94. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, and then and then my uh, one of my last years in the NHL, I ended up having another quick stint with them with the Flyers. So, um, pretty cool when you think about it. And then all the guys in that in that draft that year that I've gotten to know or even play with, you can even go deeper in that top ten: John Slaney, Mark Gregg, Darian Hatcher, um, all Philadelphia Flyers, all guys that got picked in the top ten of that same draft. So. Uh, no, he, 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 this, is a, this, is, this is one of the great all-time what-ifs because, uh, and again, I, I collect the old draft previews. I saved them, you know, from way back. Sure. It's, just, it's just fun to look back at them. And yeah. in the, in first, uh, the first of all, you know, Yager's entry in, in the, 19, the Hockey News 1990 draft preview was hilarious because whatever scout they were talking to, you know, I, and thankfully he's, you know, thankfully he's uh, anonymous in there. Because he described oh, Yager as a guy who who's does nothing flashy, just plays a solid all-around game. Yeah, you know? that, that's because there, was, there yeah. was no source. There was no scout. Yeah. It was probably yeah. some kid writing in his basement that, that tipped an anonymous source. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, great. <laughs> that's, but, you know, right. I mean, that, that that's about the most opposite thing you could have ever said about Yarmir Yager. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You and and McKenzie, McKenzie said at the time that at the World Juniors, you know, Bob Clark, who was still Flyers GM at the time, said, this kid's the best player in the draft. But Clark, he was, was fired, and Farwell came in, you know, and, and also Mike, and Mike Ricci had a, had a really solid NHL career. Nothing against Mike Ricci, you know, but, that, but that, that's oh, one that people look back at, and, you know, you Ricci or Yager, that's, uh, you know, you obviously didn't make the right pick there. As, as, as good of a career as Mike Ricci had, he, he, was, he was no Yager, so. Well, if you redid the top five, the only the, the two that wouldn't be in there would probably have been Nedved and and Ricci. Yeah, yeah. If, if you redid that top five, I mean, Primo's you know the top five all day in my book. Um, Yager and and uh, and Nolan uh, were all were all very good players. So it was a wild draft. I mean, there's been a couple of them like that, but but the amount of depth. I mean, another guy that had a great career that went, I believe, deep in the second round, Bill, or even further down, was Jeff Sanderson. I mean, he had, yeah, yeah, you know, another guy when he, in that draft. So. Oh, Sanderson, in, in his years in Hartford, he was mm-hmm. one of those underrated players in the NHL, no question. Very, very, you know? very productive. Yeah. He also played for the Flyers. So Yeah, he did. He, did. Uh, he, he came at the wrong time. He came, uh, you know, that the worst season in franchise history, but he, he knew Homer from way back, so. He did. You know, he did. And, and, you know, you, you, you talked about, the, but you talk about Primo, you know, when you talk about the way, it's funny because the way that he, he had a reputation as an underachiever in, in Detroit, you know, yes. and particularly in the postseasons, the, the year that the Flyers uh, started to be a contender again, your rookie year in, in 95. And yep. uh, when Detroit got swept in the finals, Primo was one of the goats of that series. You know, he was held without a point in the series. They got swept. And, right. and you know, Keith, Keith didn't have a history of any success in the playoffs until the five-overtime goal in, in 2000 and that huge run, you know, right after you, 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 know, you were traded uh, yeah. in, in 2004. And, and now Keith is remembered as one of the all-time clutch playoff guys. You know, sometimes yes. it takes just, just that one play. You know, as soon as, soon as he got that five-overtime goal, it was like, it was like 10,000 pounds lifted off the shoulders. And, and from there on, he was a great playoff player. You know, imagine how imagine how Ovechkin feels. Yeah, I, well, that, that's right. where, that's where I was going with that. That you know now, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Ovechkin has this copy. He, ne- he never has to hear about that again. You know, 
He may, and, he, may and, a, yeah. he may not have a good liver in two years, but other than that, he got himself a cold. <laughs> yeah, has, has, he, uh, has he stopped celebrating yet? I don't think so. Uh, they're going to put, they're gonna have to yeah. put that thing on the Siberian Express at 200 miles an hour to dry that thing out. <laughs> yeah, for real. For real. <laughs> so <laughs> so um, just looking ahead a little bit to, to this year's draft and, you know, with free agency upcoming, you know, it's it's always – it's always easier, I guess, to be the to be the armchair general manager than to be the actual spot making decisions there. But you know, where where would you look to go in the draft this year? Where you know, there's a it's kind of it's, it's a pretty good draft. It, you know, the there's a it, it's a kind of draft though that after about the first five, maybe from about five to twenty five, you can you can toss them in a hat and you know whatever order you want to put them in it's you can come up with a reason for i mean where would, right. where would you look to go maybe not player but the player type and then yeah, you know maybe yeah look towards the off season you know what bill you you did such a great job with the draft and the players for the year that you keep a lot of us in the loop so we i know from guys that i work with we appreciate a lot of that draft stuff uh previews during the year so that's why I stay out away from the players until they really get here i'll read through the names see them in preseason a lot of them really get sent home um, so it's always interesting to see how guys shake out. Uh, it is easy for me to play armchair quarterback because I have a good relationship with Ron Hexall. He's a great teammate. For me, I think that they need to just let the young defense continue to blossom. I, I think there's enough of them here. Um, this is, And, again, this is just strictly my opinion. I think what they need is a big, strong, edgy type of winger or two, whether they pick that in – um, uh, at the draft or free agency, um, that's something. That's what I look at. Or a another big center iceman. Um, I, I don't think you never really have a, enough size up the middle. Uh, they obviously have that with Sean Couturier, but I, if, if you can find another guy that's got uh, that plays a good two-way, strong two-way uh, player up the middle, or a guy who is willing to go up and down the wing. Uh, play really hard between the hash marks in front of the net. I'm I'm a I'm a huge believer in getting that type of a player if they can. I know they're you know they don't grow those on trees. Uh, they usually get plucked up pretty quick. But that's that's where I would go, Bill. Uh, I think they just from looking at the at the Flyers from a standpoint of uh, of organizational depth. They look good at goaltender. Uh, it's unfortunate what happened to Sam Moran, uh, the injury in the playoffs, yeah. but uh, they have a lot of youth on defense. And I think you, it's nice to have extra guys. I just think that you need to let those guys kind of grow together um, and, and see where that goes. So um, that's what I do. How about yourself? What, do you, what are you thinking? Well, I think that, um, you know, I, I think they're probably going to go in the direction uh, of a big center. I do think, uh, and this is this is based on Hexie's press conference last week, where he where he had said that you know now you have the this group that's in the NHL. I'm talking about the defensemen, and you have this group that's in the NHL or on the brink of being in the NHL, including a guy like Philippe Myers and that, and Sam Moran yep. once he gets healthy. But but the but after that, then it's uh, you know you want to have you want to have another group coming in with expansion coming with uh, you know guys can always get hurt those kind of things. He would like to improve, so I I wouldn't be surprised if they go with a with a centerman and and you know or a natural centerman at least that uh, with one of the first round picks and then a defenseman with the other and there's there's you know and and there's there's a lot of guys you you can point to. It's going to be one guy that I'm watching with some interest uh, is a guy by the name of Keandre Miller from the U.S. National Development Team. He's a converted forward 
and the, the history of that isn't great in terms of converting wingers to defense, but he's really athletic. He's like, he's, he's like a six foot five, 215 pound guy who can really motor. Um, and he has, you know, he has a lot of forward instincts. So, you know, he's, he's the guy I, I, I'd be interested to see where he falls. He's going to fall maybe in that 14 to 19 kind of range, I think. And then also, you know, and you, you played with Shell Samuelson your second year. I think he was your, your main partner that your second year. Shell's son yeah. is, is going to be a first round pick this year, probably. And he's not, it's funny because his son is big. He's not as big as Shell, but he, his son is a good six foot four himself. And, you know, more of a puck mover, more of a modern day defenseman. Shell was, I guess, your, your old school stay at home, bang the puck off the glass kind of guy. But, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, but, um, you know, but uh, it'd be interesting because, first of all, the Flyers have never re- Flyers never drafted a local kid. He's from Voorhees, you know. Yeah. And to have a situation where, you know, your dad is also your development coach, that might be a little awkward. I don't, I don't know how all that would work out. Uh, if if it were to work out that Matias would be their pick, I don't know. I, I also think playing in your your hometown market, I don't know. It can it can be good. It can be not good. I remember some a lot of your best games were either in Ottawa or against Ottawa. So I guess you know it could be motivating or it can be you know it can be you know what? I, uh, a lot of it, I, yeah a lot of pressure. So what, what, how do you I feel can about assure it? you I'm not alone in that, Bill. There's plenty of guys that pulled off the home <laughs> card for their folks and grandparents and siblings and stuff. Um, it is true though. Yeah, you just never you never know, right? I mean, if somebody jumps up ahead of them and, and grabs a kid. Uh, yeah, I thought Matias, I seen him skate. He's a good skater for a big kid. So that yeah. gave me right away when I looked at him, like, you know, you put that together. But I uh, uh, I thought I'd see his name up a little higher based on the success he had at tournaments. Uh, Shell's a great guy. You're right. He was my roommate for uh, a year or two, and I played with him uh, for a lot. We're still great friends this day, and I, I know that uh, how much good time he's put in with both his boys, and uh, I wish Matias nothing but luck. And if he is a flyer, uh, you in my book, you can't go wrong with a six foot four, six five defenseman who could skate. Yeah, and then and there's you know those two guys on the the national team are really the, the two guys that kind of fit that description. There's there's some mm-hmm. small puck moving types, and listen, you know if a guy's a Shane Gosses bear type, you you take him. But you know, but uh, if you can if you can get a a big defenseman who who's also able to move the puck, and you know it, it, the the way the this this will be a good topic for some other time. The way the rules are now, they've made it so hard to actually play defense in front of the net. You know, we we could go on all day about that, but you know, they they've taken away a lot of defensemen's tools for playing the position. You know, and you know, I, I you can't hold up four checkers anymore. You can't really clean the porch the way you used to. I mean, all those kind of things. But the thing about Matias is that he's he's pretty tough to play against. He's strong. He must, you know, he's really good at boxing guys out and. And plus, he can skate on top of that. To me, that's a first-round pick. But uh, you know, we'll we'll see how all that plays out. And uh, you know, you you mentioned about the big power forward types. Well, the, the big power forward name in this draft this year is Brady Kachuk, who's Keith's son. who has yes. two sons in the NHL. You know, and he's he's just a chip off the old block. I mean, he's a pain in the butt to play against. You know, he's always always got someone mad at him out there. But he's also he's also pretty darn good hockey player just and same same as his brother in calgary you know it's uh it's actually it's actually funny when you know i'd, I'd like to see the you know be, 
I, I, Flyers, of course, only play Calgary twice a year, but um, whenever Konechny goes at it with, uh, you know, Matthew Kachuk, because the two of them are yapping at each other, and you hear it between the benches. I mean, I, they, I'm sure they've had some good exchanges, you know, because uh, they just, you know, they they just really great on each other. In some ways, in some ways, are a little bit two peas in a pod that way. You know, of course, um, you know uh, Travis is much smaller, but uh, you know, those out there. But anyway, you, you, there's there's not a ton of those power forward types anymore. I think if you can you can find one early in the draft, or there is some value in that too, as well as the the two way guys. It's um, you know, the, there's a preference. A lot of organizations have Bob McKenzie just talked about the other day how there's a almost kind of a positional bias towards natural centers over, over wingers. Uh, a lot right. of teams have had that preference uh, and just building through the middle because a lot of times, you know, you have a guy who's drafted as a center and he might end up playing wing anyway. Um, Connect me, of course, was a, was a center in junior hockey. Simone was a center in junior hockey. So, yes, he was. Yeah. You know, and, and just, um, you know, so, I think that unless a guy is projected as being a really high-end goal scorer, I mean, there's very few Ovechkins, but if a guy could be a 30, guy could score 35 goals maybe in a year, which is pretty tough in today's game, then maybe yes. you then maybe you look maybe you look for that that skilled winger who can shooter. But otherwise, I do think there is a a preference to go with a center, and even though this isn't a great draft necessarily for centers, I, I think that pretty good chance the Flyers go that way, and it seems like you feel kind of the same. Yeah, no, I think I just don't think you can go wrong, especially if you get some size and a guy who could move. So um, it'll be it'll be interesting. And the other, I guess the other the other part, Bill, I know um, is, is whether or not Ron uh, may package the two picks to move up higher. There's been talk of that. I've right. seen a little bit, just a little bit of, of uh, forecasting. But the other thing too is that obviously you know it looks like Ron's a guy that likes tough depth and a lot of picks and, and extra players. So. Uh, we'll see if it, if there's something that's enticing enough to him uh, to package those two together to move up higher. We'll see. And the the draft has become almost like a second trade deadline in terms of NHL roster moves. Now there was now there was trade that went down today. Everybody knew Mike Hoffman was going to get traded. We got traded twice today. He uh, he ended up with Florida, but um, I, you know and that, I that, can't believe that's, that's, that's whole, think of it. Yeah, yeah, you know what that 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 to me, you know. Uh, Mike Hoffman is a, is a good goal scorer. He's a good skater. I, I don't know. Do you want that drama in your locker room? Do you really want to invite that in, you know, under your team, especially when when all that's still kind of unresolved? I, I, I don't I'll know. be honest with you. Yeah, if if I were in the locker room, and I've been in the locker room for many years, if I saw that come in, I would certainly take a double look at it. There's no question about it. And I think that anybody would be kind of side side swiping. I think uh, just because of the circumstances of how weird that story was to even read. Um, wow. That's well, when, when the story broke, Chris, I, I, I like double checked. They're like, is this a, is this a, you know, is this a reliable source I'm reading it from? You know, and I, thought I was, it was watching like that inquirer yeah. with like the, the, the beast man who marries the Martian or something. Right. Like, exactly. It's like, what is, exactly. like, what, what am yeah. I looking at? Like guys, girlfriend harassed the star player's wife over a, the loss of a child? I couldn't believe it. It was almost, you're yeah. right. It was like a double take. Like, I can't believe this. So I don't know how it's so, going to be viewed. It'll be it'll be interesting for sure. Maybe you'll get moved again. Who knows? Yeah, and that you know that that still wouldn't surprise me either. Especially as teams are trying to get you know, a little bit a little bit of cap space before July first. 
You know, it doesn't it doesn't sound like um, the Flyers are going to be big players for you know the the two biggest names in the market, which of course is Tavares and, and Carlson. I have to be honest, I'm not a big Carlson guy. Um, I, I I I like his size. He, he puts up a lot of points. I, I don't think he's you know he's not he's not a shutdown guy. He's not he's not a guy who you know I, I don't know. I mean he. He's a really good. He's a good, really good power play defenseman. He's going to get yeah. paid like he's a Norris Trophy candidate, though. And to me, no, he's not well, that. He's got, so. he's got two. He's got two of them. Are you talking about John or Eric? Yeah, I'm talking about John, John Carlson. Carlson. Yeah. yeah, you know what? You're yeah. right. He's, he puts up the numbers. I I don't know though if he's like that Drew Doughty type of number one. But you know, Doughty again too has missed the playoffs, so it's hard, man. I mean, you get a you get a big guy like that come in on your team, and uh, you know you have to make those subtle adjustments, but. Uh, be very, very interesting to see what happens with that, with both those two names you just mentioned. Yeah, it, it will. I mean, I don't, I don't think they're going to end up here, but wherever, wherever they are, it's going to cause a, a shift. And if, if Carlson leaves the division, that's, uh, you know, that's uh, something else to look at too. It, it's, uh, I don't know, I, I don't know how bigger players the Flyers are going to be. I, I think you could see a deal go down to the deadline. I mean, no one was expecting the Shen trade a year ago. It just kind of right. kind of happened on, on you know, that wasn't at least on my radar. It, it, it kind of caught me off guard when the, when that trade was announced. So, you know, some, something like that could go down. Um, I do think there'll be, there'll be maybe a deal or two made, you know, involving the Flyers. I don't know if it's going to be anything huge. Um, right. You know, I, I think I think the Flyers are maybe a year away from making that really aggressive move. Um, you know, but it also depends on, on how things go this year. I, I, I think that you can't take a step back. You know, from from 98 points, you know, now you want to be a hundred point team. Now you want to win around the playoffs. You know, you you don't want to keep going. Well, you made the playoffs 96 points, and you missed the playoffs 88, then you make the playoffs 98. You know, you don't want to you don't want to go back to oh, missing no. again. I think. Yeah, no, you have you, you have cannot. to take. Yeah, yeah, you, you know, cannot I, I think... miss the playoffs if you're the Flyers. Ron he- and Ron Hextall, I believe, recognizes that and understands it because there's just really. Uh, you're right. You just cannot. They cannot afford to take a step backwards. I think you said it said it exactly right, Bill. And and I think that that uh, there's a lot of pressure on Ron to make the right decisions this summer and um, and have to trust in what he believes. So, and uh, it's going to be it's going to be really interesting, and we're going to have a lot to talk about as free agency starts because things start. Uh, you know, this is this is the chaotic time of year before everything kind of settles down for a little while before the start of camp. And um, we'll, I know we're you know I know we're going to do a uh, also do a free agency uh, podcast as well. But I, just before we uh, we let you go, I, I will say this: I, I have a feeling Tavares is going to end up in Detroit somehow. That's, I'm just going to give you a little little preview of what I'm thinking. We'll see, but uh, that—that's what I think. I think it's going to be wild for him. That—that—that'll be crazy. Yeah, you know, and I thought, uh, you know, I thought towards the playoffs, so Vegas might be a landing spot for him. Just, to, just as a, and now that was just my own, <laughs> that was just my my own thinking. They're not not based on anything, but it's, you know, I mean, he's he's going to have his pick of suitors. Anyone, anyone that'll, you know, he'll get a max deal wherever he goes, so he can basically write his own check. So. He's gonna have his pick, and uh, if if it's Detroit, that'd be uh, that'd be pretty wild, you know. Pretty it's big gonna, it's definitely gonna be too. fun. They, they need to fill that big old building they got there. It's a beauty, and uh, the only thing that was missing last year was I think uh, the fullness that we're used to seeing Detroit win at their hockey rink. So it'll be interesting. It's gonna be a wild July first, but it's gonna be a wild weekend as well. And I know that uh, I'll be I'll be tuning in and uh, 
following up on what you got this week for us, Bill. Yeah, I'd be looking forward to it. And I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Um, they said we'll be doing these regularly. And uh, as always, uh, without the buzz, it's just hockey. It is just hockey. Uh, and I think it's a good way to uh, to kick it off today. The first one, what we're doing is about the draft, a few stories. Uh, that's one thing that we will share. Uh, i got a ton of stories. I'd love to be able to share some of them with you guys So uh, and gals. So thanks for tuning in, and uh, we will see you next time. And, and uh, look for us on the uh, on Twitter or any social media platform. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.